Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Amen. We all said together. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Living is moving and moving is living. If I can draw your attention, the very beginning of Acts 17, verse 22, where Paul stands and in this council of the Areopagus, a, a place where very intelligent people meet and discuss ideas and throw ideas out there. And Paul says to them, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship, and that is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Most of the time when I'm on a plane, I just like to read. I talk a lot. And when you talk a lot, you talk for a living, once you're done talking, you really don't feel like talking. Anyone who's close to me or knows me well, people that may come to my house, especially on a Sunday, will tell you that once I'm done this, I really don't feel like talking that much anymore. I'm preaching twice today. I used to preach four times on a Sunday. I don't even know how I did that. But I'm preaching twice today. The minute I'm done talking, I really don't feel like doing a whole lot of talking. And so most of the time when I'm on a plane, I really am quiet. I really like to read. I find myself in first class because God has been good to me, hallelujah. But most of the time, I'm the only African-American in first class, and that's all right, but God is going to set my people free, and that's not going to continue to be the situation forever. But most of the time, I'm the only black man in first class, and I just sit down and read and don't really pay attention to anyone. Just the other day, I was on a plane, and I was coming back sitting in first class, and I found myself in the window seat, sitting next to someone that was just so bubbly, and just so full of life, and just so happy. And she just had so much to say. And she's just a little cute, little white girl with a little ponytail, and just swinging, and just talking to everybody. And I'm really trying to ignore her and just read and just pay attention to what I'm doing. I really don't have time and I'm just reading and she is making friends with people behind her and folk in the front and, and she is just talking and I'm just reading and finally I look up and she's looking at me and I thought to myself, my Lord, my God. And so to not be rude, I just closed my iPad and looked at her and the infectious bubbly life of her. It almost made me feel halfway bad that I'm the one saved. I'm the one that knows Jesus and I'm the one sitting here rude. I'm the one sitting here not wanting to be bothered. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody that just is so happy and so full of life that it almost pulls you into a discussion that you really didn't want to have. And I could feel her staring. So I looked over and she's just looking happy. And so I closed my book and she proceeded to ask me a how question. Most of the time, if you've ever been on a plane, people ask you what questions. What, what do you do? Where do you live? What's going on? Those are the questions that they ask. She asked me a how question. I don't know what possessed this 30-year-old little white girl to ask this in his 50s gray hair, black dude, a how question. She asked me a how do I live question. 
not going to tell you the specifics of her how question because that's her question. But she asked me a question that centered on how do I live? How do I get from here to there? She asked me a direction question, not knowing who she was asking. And before we knew it, her and me, she found herself in a life seminar for the next 30, 40 minutes and had to pull her phone out and take some notes because before she knew it, she was getting the word. I need a witness in the bill. Before she knew it, I was telling her all kinds of ways to be. Before she knew it, we didn't see color anymore. Before we knew it, before, and all, she just, her mouth fell open, and I'm just giving her step and points, and A and B and C. I gave her seven points. No, I didn't give her seven points. But I gave her three points, and I just, just on how to live her life, answering her life question. At the end, we're starting to slowly, all right, we're about to land in Minneapolis or wherever I was, and we're about, and we're about to land. And then I could tell when I, when I was done, she just was like, okay, you're just too good at this. You have too many answers. You just told me anything temporary is tolerable. What, what are you, what do, she asked me the question that I was dreading. She asked me, what do you do? Now, you may be asking yourself, why was I dreading that question? I was dreading that question because we currently live in a day and a time in which if you tell somebody you're a pastor, there's a distrust that comes out of them. If you tell somebody that you're connected to God, unfortunately, although in him we live and move and have our being, unfortunately, although our wisdom is from him, if you tell somebody that you're giving the wisdom from a spiritual perspective, unfortunately, we have created a world in which the church is no longer trusted. When we say church, stuff comes to folks' mind. And I was afraid that if I told her I was a pastor, I would eradicate all of the truth I gave her. Because I was afraid that she would just link that truth with the truth of uh, the far right or the Christian right or the, or the evangelical agenda or whatever, that she would just compartmentalize me in a group of religious thinkers and not allow the truth of what I said to her to impact her greatly. I was afraid of what was going to happen next. And I was right. Her countenance didn't change. Her attitude didn't change. She still stayed happy, but all of a sudden, at the mention of being a pastor, I saw this bubbly, happy, full of life, full of love, asking questions, little girl, woman, 30 years old woman, girl to me, help us, Holy Ghost, ask a, I saw her then, shit, and I saw, and I looked at her, and I knew what was coming, and it came, she shared a sour moment that she had with some religious institution. Church, listen, I, I know we're going to heaven, all right? But I'm afraid that when we get there, we're going to find that God is annoyed with us. I think he'll love us. I think he'll let us in. But I also think he's going to be bothered by the fact that at some point we decided to replace release relationship with religion. I wish I had a witness in the building. There are so many people turned off by religion. I haven't met a whole lot of people turned off by a relationship with God. I haven't met a whole lot of people turned off by walking with him and talking with him and prayer life with him and connection with him. I haven't met a whole lot of folk turned off by a relationship with the loving God, the living God, the speaking God, the talking God. But I've met way too many. 
many people turned off by some religious action by someone who thought they were doing right. After she got done, I just, I didn't really have anything. I didn't have much to say. When she told me what happened, I just, now I'm talking to the Lord because I don't want to be overly this or overly this way. And I don't want to necessarily meet her expectation. And so I just said, yeah. I said, all right, I hear you. I, I got you. I said, now, can I ask you a question? And she said, yes. And then I asked her a question that threw her off guard. I asked her, do you like pizza? <laughs> totally caught off guard by that question. Do I like pizza? She was like, do I like pizza? Is there anybody that doesn't like pizza? Is there anybody in this room that does not like pizza? If you do not like pizza, we praying for you, bro, because pizza is a blessed thing. Pizza is an awesome thing. You shaking your head. I feel you, bro. Maybe you just don't like pizza, but you are one of thousands that do not like pizza. Most people like pizza. I said, do you like pizza? She said, of course I like pizza. I said, good. I said, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a bad piece of pizza? She said, what do you mean? I said, I mean eighth grade school pizza. I mean frozen pizza. I mean uh, a bobbly. I mean DiGiorno. I mean crusty, hard crust, sauce ain't right, cheese ain't there. It don't bend, it don't got oil, it ain't good, it ain't chewy. I mean a nasty piece. Have you ever had a nasty piece of pizza? She said, yes, I have. I said, did it stop you from eating all pizza? She said, no, it did not. I said, all right. So just because you had a bad experience in somebody's pizza shop does not mean that you stopped eating all pizza. And just because somebody did something in front of you in the name of God that was not the right thing to do and the best, it does not mean that God don't have a good bendy, oily, good crust that you want to eat, dripping in your mouth piece of relationship with him. That can change your life. She said, oh, I see your point. I left it at that. She said, well, can we exchange? And can we? I said, all right. So I, 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 she followed me on Instagram, and I followed her on Instagram, and I, and I said, all right. She said, because I need more wisdom. I said, yeah, you need more wisdom. We all need more wisdom, especially in the church, because we really have replaced relationship with religion. And my prayer is that you will be defensive of your relationship with God. I pray that when somebody tells you something bad, that God will give you wisdom to say something right to them, to help them to see a relationship with God past whatever religious gobbledygook that they had to deal with that blocked them from being able to see how much God really loves them. It's Paul. Paul is in Athens. Paul is living amongst the Greeks. Paul is in a place where the Greeks are. Paul is in a place where there's intelligence and there's wisdom and there's study. It's very relatable to us because we are in an information age. We are in a time when we can find out anything we want in five seconds. You can memorize the Gettysburg Address, but I don't really see what's the point since you can look it up in about five seconds. Sitting in a barbershop, somebody asks a question, name the starting five of the Portland Trailblazers when they played against the Bulls in the finals. There used to be a discussion. Now, it's not a discussion. Anybody can pull that information up and know in about two seconds. We live in a world and a day and a time in which we think we know everything. We think we're smart. We think we have information. We like for things to be discussed. We really don't want anyone to stifle us from being okay with believing everything. 
we almost see that as intolerant. We almost see right and wrong as intolerant. It's very applicable to this particular moment with the Apostle Paul where Paul is saying, men of Athens, I can see that y'all are very religious. I can see that. I've walked around carefully. I've walked around careful. I can say this. I pray that you can say this. I pray that you are not so blinded by your defensiveness of Christ that you have not walked around careful and examined everybody else's religion. Paul is saying, I know who Jesus is. I know who the Lord is. If you really know who Christ is and you really know him and you really are in love with him, then no other religious thought can really take you from him. So there's no point in you being overly defensive. And if you're too defensive, methinks you don't protest too much. You may be being defensive because you don't have the knowledge to actually defend your faith. Most people just quickly dismiss another religious thought because they don't understand that thought and they don't understand their own thought. But Paul, who is well-read and who is considered just because he had an experience of being knocked off his horse and blinded, he didn't stop there. He did the research. And now he's walking amongst the people who think all kinds of stuff. My God, beloved, this is us. This is us. We live in a time now where we just want to mix everything with everything. We want everything to be all right. We want everything to all be the same. I remember when I went to the Universe Soul Circus. I don't know if you've ever been to the Universe Soul Circus. That was a circus, boy. The Universe Soul Circus. It was incredible. I loved it. It was awesome. But, you know, they're, during the Universe Soul Circus, they'd be playing music. And so at one point they were playing the music. I don't remember what it was. How low can you go? Something like that. And I, everybody was just bop, 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 bop. And I'm just like, my Lord, my God, my people. Everybody was here. It was amazing because about five minutes later they they played a Kirk Franklin song and the same folk that few two seconds ago was doing this was doing this in the corner I thought to myself my god my people we twerk and shout in the same weekend we got twerk abilities and shout abilities we want to be saved and be a Virgo I'm born again. That was a mighty burning Christ. And the Lord has saved me and sanctified me and filled with his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm also an Aries. And when the Aries is in there, we just, we want it all to be okay. I love Jesus, but I also have some Chinese tattooed down my butt cheek. I hope it means life. You ain't even talked to nobody Chinese yet. I want you to bear your butt cheek to somebody Chinese and ask them what it's saying. Paul says, I can see by just walking around that you're religious. I looked up religious in both languages. Let me give you the English de uh, definition of religious in case you didn't know it. I'll throw it on the screens for you for your consideration. I'm 21 minutes in. I'm almost done. Hallelujah. Hey, religious in Merriam's dictionary says religious is relating to or manifesting faithful devotion to an acknowledged ultimate reality or deity. Leave it up there. Relating to or manifesting faithful devotion to an acknowledged ultimate reality or deity. So it's not just being faithfully devoted to an ultimate deity, God, but it is also devotion 
to an ultimate reality dream. So even people who may not be devoted to God are devoted to an ultimate reality of perfection, an ultimate reality of wealth, an ultimate reality of happiness, an ultimate reality of life be incredible, so much so that you can almost think that life owes you the ultimate. And there are people that are disappointed because they expected ultimate and have less than ultimate. But religious isn't just devoted to God or a deity. Religious is devoted to an ideal that is your believed reality. You don't have to be a Christian or even a church person to be religious. Paul says, I can tell by what you do that you're very religious. In the Greek, in the original language, the word here that has been translated as religious is really better translated superstitious. Superstitious. There's a dude from back in the day that I listen to his music even still now who said very superstitious, very superstitious writing on the walls. If you believe in things you don't understand, don't act like y'all don't know who Stevie is. If I put him up here right now, we'd all scream. Come on out, Stevie. No, he ain't here. Superstitious. Superstitious is when you believe that there's just, you, you're not quite sure, but you just, if this is going to be a good thing. You, 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 if a cat cross your path, you're a little nervous. You throw salt over your shoulder. You knock on wood. You're, you're, you're just, there's a thing that you believe. There are some folk who come to church or even are watching because they superstitiously believe that just being here will do them good. They'll be like, well, I went to church this week, so stuff, I listen, uh, back up off of me because I went to church this week. Have you ever heard somebody say, don't give me the lion, it's Sunday. <laughs> don't make me cuss, it's a Sunday. Well, if you shouldn't cuss on Sunday, then you really shouldn't cuss on Tuesday. You ain't got to say amen. I'll say amen. Help, help me, help me, Jesus. Because, because it's, there's this almost superstitious belief. Paul is saying, y'all are superstitious. Y'all are so covering your bases that you even have a statue that says, to the unknown God. And so what is happening is you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And I think, unfortunately, religion can allow us to worship in ignorance. I'm not trying to knock religion. I get it. There's a certain amount of consistency and a certain amount of practice and a certain amount of litany that I understand. But we all have to be careful that we aren't just going through superstitious movements and actually worshiping God in ignorance. Even when we come here and we're worshiping, the worship team's up here and we're on our feet and I appreciate you being on your feet. And then when I come out and I say, everybody raise your hands and you raise your hands, to be honest, beloved, I shouldn't have to make you raise your hands. I mean, I mean, I thank you. I appreciate your honoring me and respecting me as a man of God. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I appreciate it. But quite honestly, if you really, really thought about we need you, Lord. That's what I made everybody do. Because we're so, the music sounds so good, we can almost be entertained. And then we forget to actually say we need you, Lord. And COVID really messed us up. 
COVID really messed us up because we got used to not participating in church anymore. We got used to just sitting in our kitchen and having it in the background, and we're not used to, we're, we're really missing a big benefit of the part of worship because worship is a participatory event in which you actually open up your mouth and you actually say something to God. Can I tell you something? You have a whole nother experience if you open up your mouth and not just your ears. I'm gonna make somebody say something. That's why you're supposed to say amen. You're supposed to say that's right. You're supposed to say, say that, brother, because when you open up your mouth, it keeps you awake. But 18 months here in North Carolina, I don't know where you are around the world, just has spoiled us in which we are in the room and in him we live and in him we move and in him we have our being. But are we here superstitiously or are we here because we know him? Are we here because... I can think of what he's done for me. Are we here because when I look back over my life, I see miracles? Are we here because he protected me from danger, seen and unseen? Are we here because of religion or relationship? So tired of people telling me how they are messed up with God over religion. Shame on you. Shame on you. Don't you dare let a religion, a religious experience block you from a relationship with the everlasting God. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God. I, listen, if you have a prayer life, prayer will change something in your life. I'm sorry. If you know him, I'm sorry. This is okay on a Sunday, but if you ever in a dark place and you don't know what to do, you better know how to talk to God. In times like these, you need a savior. Times like these, you need to know him for yourself. We'll pray for you. Elder Paul will pray for you. The pastors will pray for you. We'll pray for you. But one of these days, you're going to be in a situation where you cannot get your mama and you cannot get nobody. And you better know how to get on your own knees and say, Savior, more than life to me. You better know that because life will break your heart. God don't promise you sunshine, bruh. He promised that he would never leave you. He promised that he would never forsake you. He promised that he would be your guide. And you just gave that to a religious institution. Why would you do that? Why would you let a preacher be more important to you than God? Why would you ever do that? Why would you be disappointed by the failings of a human? We didn't die for you. We didn't shed no blood for you. We need the same blood you need. We need the same peace you need. Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? So you're done with church because of a person? Really? Or maybe that was the excuse you wanted because you don't want to answer to God for the purpose for which he sent you here. Oh my God. You know that if you really listen to him and he really starts talking to you, he gonna tell you to do something that you aren't all that interested in doing. Uh-huh. And so it's easy to throw it off on a leader. It's easy to say, but there's so many hypocrites in church. Exactly. You're exactly right. We'll just, we'll, we'll just end the discussion. You're right. Because the Bible says, all have sinned 
No, I, I, I'm trying to get a witness in the room and around the world. The Bible says all have sinned. Every last one of us in here is glad there's not a camera following us all the time. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. My video team said, Pastor Andy, we just want to put videos with you all the time. I said, no, you do not. There'll be no more Andy Thompson Ministries if cameras are on me all the time because I am a real somebody. See, when you're real, there's two parts of you, my God. When you're real, one minute you are happy and the next minute you want to knock somebody out. Fronting and faking and acting like you always in hallelujah land. You can go from worship to lust. Oh, I guess couldn't nobody say amen on that one. And lust to worship. You, you can go from a party to a Lord, I love you. Please forgive me. God, I'm so sorry. You can go from this communion to getting tore up. You can experience it all. Truth of the matter is that we all need Christ. I said we all need Jesus. No, I said we all need Jesus. Stop lying to your baby. You need Jesus and they need Jesus. Matter of fact, if you told them your real testimony, not the edited version, you might find that they may really listen to you. Says I can see that you're very religious. He says so. Unfortunately, y'all are worshiping in an ignorant way, and the ignorance is stopping you from having a real relationship with God. And so, in my few minutes remaining, let me just just break down a little bit of what Paul said to help you have a relationship with God and not just religion. Amen? Not just religion, but a relationship. Not just, oh, I went to church, but a relationship. Not just, oh, no, where you, when you leave from here, you go through those doors, and you go out the lobby, and you sit in your car, and you say, now, Lord, that was a pretty serious message. You know, God, that was something. I really, hey, you know what, God? I really do love you, and I really do care. You ain't got to pray all special. Our Father God, who has the God of Alpha, the Alpha, the Alpha. You ain't got to pray like the deacon in your church. Our Father God, we want to thank thee for thy blessings. You don't have to do that. You can just say, Lord, these people are tripping. Have you ever said that, Lord? These people are tripping. Lord, these people about to get hit. Lord, don't let them come over here. Don't let them come over here. Don't let them come over there. Hi. Don't act like you ain't said that to God. And as soon as they left, Lord, why you let him come over here? You know, I don't want to talk to them. Lord, you got to deliver me. You got to deliver me. Lord, I need to be delivered. What did Paul say that helps us to have a relationship with him? Let me show it to you really quickly. The first one is in verse 24. He says, let, let me explain something to you. He said, let me explain. See, y'all are ignorant. Y'all are worshiping in ignorance. Let me explain it to you. Number one, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he doesn't live in temples built by human hands. So the first point he makes is, we made this. God don't live here. See this in here? We made this. God don't live here. This is least space. If you see stuff that you're like, oh, this looks old. You're right. Because we ain't doing another thing in here until we get to our own spot. 
We're making changes in our building that we own, not in this lease space. We got less than a year left on this lease, and we are staying just like this. Yeah, we see that line in that screen, and we're going to leave it right there till we get up out of here. It ain't that we can't afford it. We just don't feel like fixing another thing in here. I don't know if you ever, where you are done. You are ready to be out, and you are ready to own your own thing, and you don't care about, you just want to get your security deposit back, and you are out. But one of the reasons why people get all caught up in religion is because they think that they can build something that God will live in. Now, we have prayer, right, Elder Paul? We walk around praying on all these chairs, and we're asking God to be here. We worship for him to inhabit because he don't live here. We want him to stop by. Where's my church folk? We need you, Lord, to stop by. Stop by, stop by, stop. We need the Lord to stop by. We need him to stop by and touch your baby. We need him to stop by and touch your mind. We need him to stop by and heal your money. But we will be fools to think that we can build something that God will live in. God built what we live in. He don't live in nothing we build. You can't make something and then be like, oh, that's God. All your statues and all your picture of Jesus that your grandmama had on her wall. You can touch it, make the sign of the cross to it all you want. The Lord don't live there. The Lord don't live in statues. The Lord doesn't live in anything that any human being made. The Lord don't live in horseshoes. The Lord don't live in salt over your shoulder. The Lord don't live on knocking on. The Lord don't live. Luck is not a factor with God. There's a difference between what God made and what we made. doesn't mean that what we make is not serious, but let's not get so caught up in ourselves that we think we have the power to contain the Almighty. Them days are done. When Jesus died, the veil in the temple was written too. And the Lord said, I will no longer be boxed by ignorance. I will no longer let you think you can have me in a little ark or have me in a little room. I'm too big for that. God's too big for the boxes we make for him. That's number one. Number two, verse 25, he says, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Meaning number two, yeah, the Lord don't need nothing from you. The Lord don't need your worship. I've heard people say that. God needs your worship. The Lord don't need your worship. The Lord don't need your worship at all. You didn't worship the Lord today? That don't bother God at all. The Lord, he got angels to worship him. He got angels to sing way better than you. He can, if anytime he want to be praised, he can be He is enthroned in praise. He don't need you to worship him. You don't worship God for God. You worship God for you. You worship God because it gets you out of yourself. We used to sing a song that says, so forget about yourself and concentrate on him and worship him. Might I suggest to you on a Sunday in the morning on your way here, put some gospel on. Put some worship on. Show up here high. That's how you used to show up to the party. Already a little buzz, like, hey. And you want to be here and be a wallflower. You better get your back up off the wall and get down on it. You are never going to feel God if you don't praise him. I don't praise God because I feel him. I feel God because I praise him. And if you are too sober to praise him, then you didn't get high on the way here. We shouldn't have to light all your Holy Ghost weed for you. You rolled your own joint, then you need to roll your own worship. Oh, I need a witness in the building. You better find what you like. You better put on what you like. Whatever it is, it don't matter. It could be whoever it is. 
We don't sing songs you like, that's okay. Because on the way here, you could have played all the songs you liked. And on the way home, you could play all the songs you liked. I mean, I like them, but I wish they'd sing some Hezekiah Walker. Grateful, 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 grateful. It's flowing. It's all right, baby, because you can play grateful, 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 grateful. On your way here, I am grateful for the things he has done. I'm grateful for the victories he has won. I could go on and on and on and on and on about his works because I'm grateful. You ain't got to wait for us to sing it. You got a thing in your car. Be tired of rolling all your weed for you. We tired of trying to get you high. We tired of it. You need to get high on your own. You need to worship God on your own. You worship it on a Sunday, you'll find out, you'll wake up on Monday and decide to worship the Lord on a Monday on your ride in. Part of the reason why you want to smack people at work is because you ain't listening to the right stuff on the way in. Oh my Lord. Because you are so caught up in that organ over there. You don't need that organ to worship. We don't serve Listen, beloved. We don't serve God. We do, but we serve God by serving humanity. That's why Jesus said, well, if you love me, then love one another. Because I, I need your love. I don't need it like that. If you really love me, love your brothers and your sisters. Well, whatever you've done for the least, you've done for me. So if you visited them in prison, think that you're visiting me. Don't be so caught up in serving God that you leave your brothers and sisters without. I got to serve the Lord. I'm, I'm here to serve the Lord. How are you serving the Lord? If you really are serving the Lord, then there's really nothing you won't do. He says, don't, don't think that God is served by anything from human hands. The stuff from human hands is about kingdom building. God don't need none of your stuff. I know he's going to take up an offering at the end, but God don't need my money. You're exactly right. The Lord don't need your money. But the kingdom do. But the church do. But us building the kingdom of God does in the earth. Yes. So if your excuse for not giving was that God don't need your money, it's because you have more of a religious attitude than a relationship attitude. And if you really had a relationship attitude, then you would look at all your money and you'd think to yourself, you know what, Lord? I don't know where I'd be if it had not been for you on my side. And what's more, you know what, Lord? Do you see me giving? Do you see me giving? I don't know if you ever do that where you say to the Lord, Lord, you see this? Do you do that where you say, Lord, you see this? See how they're still breathing? See how they knocked them out? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Do you ever do that, Lord? You see this? You see me giving this offering? All right, well, here we go, Lord. Check it. Here we go. Third point. I'm out of time. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, marked out the appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. Point number three, God made many from one man. Oh, my God. God made many from one man. That means that all of us in here are descended from one man. That means that there is only one race, the human race. I'm going to make everybody clap today. White, white, black, Hispanic. There's only one race. It's the human race. We're all descended from one man. God marks our time. It doesn't mean that he determined what time we're here. It means that when we get here, he marks the time that we're here. He understands what time it is. God creates boundaries. God knows who belongs where. Verse 27 says, God did this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of one of us. My sixth point is 
God desires relationship with you. It's my whole point today. God desires relationship with you. He did all of this so you'd seek him. He'd do all of this so you'd find him. Matter of fact, he's saying, I'm really not far from anybody. I'm really not far at all. Because in him we live. And in him we move. And in him we have our being. In him is life. And life is moving. And moving is living. Part of the way we know you're alive is you move. But all of this was not for you to know me or Pastor Josh or any of the worship team or any preacher or anybody. All of this was not for you to know us. All of this was for you to know him. Sundays is a great big hookup party. We throw a party here every Sunday to get you hooked up. Ultimately, we're saying, have you met Jesus? Have you met the Lord? Because it's more than just the magic of the moment. It is about you wanting to be in a relationship with him. And a relationship with him change your whole world. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Lord, I want to thank you for this moment. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to walk in relationship with you. I thank you that it's more than just religion. It's relationship. And I pray that you would draw us nearer. That you would touch us and heal us and do something new in us right now. Radically save us. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, keep your head bowed, keep your eyes closed. Keep your head bowed, keep your eyes closed. Are you saved? Are you saved? I started off this, this morning by saying, anybody glad that you're saved? Are you saved? Saved is more than just going to church. Saved is more than just, um, that's a good thing. It's more than being superstitious. Saved is... Well, I want to have a relationship with God. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hears my voice and opens up the door, I'll come in and have a relationship with him. Sup with him and he with me. If you're in this room this morning and you are not saved, if you're like, yeah, Pastor Andy, I'm not saved. I, you know, do I have a relationship? I'm not saved. But you know what? I want to be. You made a real good argument. I, I desire it. I want to know the Lord for myself. If that's you, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Christians are praying. If you're not saved, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not saved, Pastor Andy. That's me. I'm not saved. I'm not saved. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand all the way in the back. I see it in the corner. I see your hand. I'm not saved, Pastor Andy. Not saved. I see you over there, bro. I'm not saved. I'm not saved. Don't be afraid. I'm not gonna do anything to you. Pray for you right at your seat. I'm not saved. Raise your hands, throw it up high, throw it back down. Let me give you another invitation. You may be here, you may be saying, you know, Pastor Andy, I used to be saved. I used to go to church, I was so faithful, I served, I was consistent, I was there all the time. But I, I have fallen away from God. I, I probably not what they call a backslider, probably. And I, I can't remember the last time I was at church. I can't remember the last time I was around the things of God, but I got to get God back into my life. Now, if you raise your hand once, you don't have to raise it again. But if that's you, you can throw your hand up. When you pray, Pastor Andy, pray for me, because that's me. 
I see that hand. That's me, Pastor Andy. When you're praying, pray for me. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see it. All right, one more. You may be here. You may be saying, you know, Pastor Andy, I'm really not sure. I'm not sure. I hope I'm saved. You know, I, I hope so. I grew up in church and got baptized when I was a kid. I hope I'm saved, but I'm not sure. But I want to know. I want to know that I'm saved. I, I want to be sure. I want to know that I know that I know that I really do have a relationship with God. Now, if you raised your hand once, you don't have to raise it again. But if that's you, you want to be sure, you throw your hand up, throw it back down. I see that hand. I see that hand. I'm not sure, Pastor Andy. I mean, I hope everything's right with me and God, but I'm not really sure. But I want to be. I want to be sure today. That's you. Raise your hand. Thank you very much. Okay. If you lifted your hand for prayer on any of these invitations, just stand to your feet. Thank you. Heads about and eyes are closed. No reason to be ashamed because there's so many of you that, that raised your hand. So many of you raised your hand. So if you lift your hand for on any of these invitations, just stand to your feet. Just jump on your feet. I'm pray for you right there at your chair. Pray for you right there at your chair. Lift your hand for prayer on any of these invitations I gave you. Stand to your feet. Or if you didn't and you wanted to, and now you're looking around and you see there's a whole desk people on their feet. And you feel like, oh, well, I, I'm going to get in on this prayer. If other people are standing, I didn't want to be by myself. But if I see other people standing, so I'm going to jump on my feet. If you lift your hand for prayer or any of these invitations I gave you, jump on your feet. And if you didn't, you want to be included in this prayer? I'm going to pray for you right, right where you stand, right where you are. I'm not going to take you anywhere. I'm going I'm to give you a place to go afterwards if you want information, but I'm not taking you anywhere right now. Right there at your chair. You don't have to worry. I feel the Holy Ghost right here. I want to give you another second. If you lifted your hand for prayer, or if you did not, you wish you had, just jump on your feet really quickly. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Christians are praying. Somebody else just jumped on their feet. I'm going to pray for you right there at your, at your chair. I'm telling you now. I'm going to take all of any of the fear, any of the apprehension away. I've been preaching for 40 years. I've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of people walk the aisle. You're not going to impress me by walking the aisle. It's about you and God. It's about you and Him. I want you to have an encounter with Him. You don't need to have an encounter with me. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. All right, now, all of you that are standing, I just want you to know that the minute you stood up, the Lord was like, oh, yeah, let's have relationship. It's not far. The Word told us, don't make it seem so hard. It's not far. It's really, really easy. It's just one word, and that word is yes. Yes. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'm not leading you in that prayer because you need the prayer. I'm leading you in the prayer. Well, I'm not leading you in the prayer because God needs the prayer, because God is already down. He sent his son to die for you, so he's already done everything he's going to do. He already did the hardest thing. Sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for your sins. That's a painful thing. We dedicated babies today. Nobody's letting their baby die for nobody. I'm not. But God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the Lord has done his part. He doesn't need you to do anything else. I'm going to lead you in this prayer because you need it. You need the prayer. You need to say something and know, yeah. All right, I said these words. And so I want you to pray this prayer with me. As a matter of fact, I want everybody in the room to pray it. And if you're watching around the world and you're thinking, oh, my God, I wish I was in that room. You don't have to be in this room. This room is with you. You can simply pray this prayer with me right now. Just pray this prayer with me. Mean it. I want everyone in the room to pray it. Everybody in the room, let's pray it. Everybody repeat after me. Everybody say, Lord. Come on, I want to hear everybody. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for me. I open the door of my life today. Lord, I hear you knocking. I'm letting you in. 
I believe that you're alive. That's why I'm asking you to come into my life and be my Lord. I thank you now for saving me. Thank you now for making me a part of your family. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you for every person that's standing. I thank you for every person that's sitting. I thank you for everyone that watched around the world. I thank you, Lord, that salvation is free, but it costs us us. It's one word away, and it's yes. And we say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. We say, yes, Lord, yes, we will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to us, Lord, with our whole heart, we will agree, and our answer is yes. I pray, Lord God, that every person that prayed will be radically saved. God, I heard my friend talking about being radically saved. Pastor Brandon Miller talked about being radically saved. God, Jason talked about being radically saved. God, we want to be radically saved. We want our dungeons to shake. We want our chains to fall off. We want this to be a new beginning. We rebuke the enemy. We rebuke Satan. We rebuke his work to make us doubt what has happened in this moment. Thank you now for saving us. In Jesus' name, we all sing together. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Put your hands together. Praise the Lord. I want everybody to put your hands together and praise the Lord. Somebody got radically saved this morning. Now, those of you that stood, we have information for you if you want it. If you want information, we have it for you. The service is over. You can go in that room over there. Pastor Frieder's over there. She'll give you information absolutely free. Put something in your hand. But let me tell you what you really need to do. That would be a good thing to do. We have information for you. But another really good thing to do would be when you leave service, tell somebody, I got saved today. I'm going to make everybody clap. I'm going to make everybody clap for that. Get on the phone, call your mama. If your mama's saved, if your mama's been praying for you, then call her and tell her her prayers have been answered and you got saved today. If you have a friend that's been hoping you get saved, call them when you leave. Because with your heart you believe, but with your mouth confession is made into your salvation. You need to tell somebody that you're saved. It stops the enemy from telling you, you ain't done nothing. Tell somebody. Tell somebody that loves you. Tell somebody that cares about you. Call your mom. Call your somebody and tell them, hey, mama, guess what? I got saved today. Gave my life to Christ today. It's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new horizon. It's a new day. It's a new season. I said, it's a new day. It's a new season. I said, it's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. Can we give to the work of the kingdom of God really quickly? I know we're just a little bit over, but it was good today. You can take a picture of that QR code. We're still doing our building fund offerings and giving towards Victory Park. If you haven't paid your tithes yet, you can pay your tithes at this moment. But if not, you can give an offering to the work of the kingdom of God. Real quick, if you're watching around the world, we need you to give to the work of the kingdom of God. And uh, we're almost there. We're almost done. We're about to do this thing. And uh, still haven't broken ground yet. We've been waiting just on the construction company to give us the last few numbers. And we really are ready to move and, and, uh, and get the thing going. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do in us and through us. And uh, Victory Park, I talked about it earlier this morning. Our vision, we're on our way out of this space. And we've been in these lease spaces. We moved here in 2007. We started World Overcomers in January of 2003. 
And in 2007, we moved to this space. We started in what is now children's ministry. We had about 30,000 square feet of space. And we moved to this sanctuary in 2012. We've been in this space for 10 years. It's amazing that 10 years has gone by. We have been in this space and our deliverance is nigh, and it's time for us to take possession of what God has for us, and it's time for you to take possession of what God has for you. Can I tell you a secret? Can I tell you a secret? The more that God knows he can trust you, the more he'll bless you. The ability to make money is directly connected to the ability to give it. I wish I could get everybody to clap for that. Let me, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I'll tell you why. The reason why is because too much money can ruin your life. Now, I know for most of us in this room, we're like, yeah, whatever, Pastor Andy. Too much money. Are you crazy? Believe me. Have you ever heard of someone that committed suicide who was super rich? Because you can get to a place where you can have so much that another thing doesn't matter. And if you don't know how to give, then wealth can ruin your perspective of a life. You can't ask God to make you rich if you can't give. Because he loves you too much to let wealth kill you. only way God will ever make you rich and give you more than enough is if you know what is enough. Once you know what's enough, then you can ask God to give you more than enough. But God doesn't give you more than enough for you. He gives you more than enough for you to give to people who have less than enough. I really am going to make everybody clap for that one. I really am. I really, really am. When I say enough, I don't mean enough just to barely make it. I mean enough to pay you. I mean enough to be out of debt. I mean enough to live in inheritance for your children's children. That's what I'm talking about. I mean enough to have investments. I, need en I mean enough to have property. I mean enough for you to be set. Once that, you, once you get there, then you have to know what is more than enough. We ask God for something that we don't really know what we're asking him for. Just, you can't ask him for more than enough if you don't know what enough is. And if you then can't give the more than enough to people who have less than enough, God will never be able to trust you with more than enough. I need a witness in the building. Right now, I'm not asking for your mortgage money. I'm not asking for your tax return. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not, I won't, but I'm not asking for that right now. What I'm asking is for an offering above and beyond. I'm asking you for your Chick-fil-A money. I'm asking you for your Starbucks money. I'm asking you for your Weave money. Your microlinks, sorry. I'm asking for your feet to be rough for a little bit and you give to the work of the kingdom of God. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray. God, thank you for generosity. Thank you for our opportunity to give. Thank you for our opportunity to be faithful. Thank you, Lord God, for the word we heard. People got saved today, made a commitment of their lives to Christ. Thank you for being radically saved. Thank you for being radically committed. Thank you, Lord God, that this is a house of prayer, and we surrender ourselves to your will. Take this offering and multiply it supernaturally to the upbuilding of your kingdom for everyone in the room. For everyone that's watching live around the world, someone's about to give the biggest offering they've ever given. And God, we're believing you for that, that you will bless them supernaturally, exponentially. Have your way in us. The kingdom of God come. Will of God be done. In Jesus' name we pray. We all sit together. God bless you as you give. As the bucket passes, just let the bucket pass you. Please don't run out the door. I know we're just a little bit over, but it's okay. Biscuitville don't close till 2. You can go there in just a minute. Excited that you came to worship with us. Invite someone to church. Invite someone to church. Invite someone to church. Say, I want you to come to church with me. They may tell you some sour story. Oh, something that happened to them in church. You pray for them. You tell them. 
Don't you dare let religion stop you having a relationship with God. There's nothing like knowing him for yourself. I said there's nothing like knowing him for yourself. I said there's nothing like knowing him for yourself. No, I said there's nothing like knowing him for yourself. And most of us who know him, know him to be a God of mercy and grace. I said most of us who know him, know him to be a God of mercy and grace. Most of us who know him, know him to be a God who does stuff in spite of us and not because of us. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the building. Most of us who know him know that if it wasn't for his mercy and his grace, we wouldn't have anything. We can't praise him enough. We owe him our lives. Will you jump on your feet and let's just be dismissed. God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for this service. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the visitors. Thank you for the babies that were dedicated. Lord, help them sleep supernaturally tonight. Move by your spirit over us. Dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. Cover us with your blood. Lord, as we go to preach another place, cover us, watch over us. Be God in our situation. Use us for your glory. Thank you for salvation. It's a gift. Thank you for salvation. It's a gift. Thank you for the gift of a relationship with you. Help us to move, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Lord, bless your people. Make your face shine upon your people. Be gracious to your people. Give us peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. We all sit together. God bless you. See you next Sunday. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.